Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. So this morning I was just seeking God. In a couple of weeks we're getting ready to go into another series. Next week is Mother's Day, so we have uh, something special for that. And, but this morning I just really felt like God wanted me to talk about something that was important for us to go after as individuals and as a church corporately. And the title of my message this morning is Fight for Your Destiny. Fight for Your Destiny. And this morning I just I was reflecting back on s- several years ago when a prophet named Danny Bonilla came to this church, and I believe it was probably around 1996 or so, and it came and prophetically spoke to this church and over many individuals, and he spoke a word over me. I remember standing right up here, and he spoke very loudly at times. (laughs) But I do remember the words that were, fight for your destiny. He spoke that. He said, fight for the destiny of this house, Fight for the destiny of your children. Fight, fight, fight. I remember that. And it's interesting because back then, I wasn't a pastor of the church. I wasn't in that. I wasn't even an elder or anything. I was part of the church. I think we were doing some leading in in different ministries. But he didn't know anything about who I was. And just those words, fight for your destiny. I didn't really know what that was was going to mean or what was going to transpire the next several years and understanding what that word really meant to me and how important that word was, the fight for my destiny, fight for the destiny of the church. That that I didn't understand at the time. Then fight for the destiny of my children. And we've walked through things having to fight in all of those areas personally. And I know this is a word for you because I know that God has given you a destiny. And this morning, I want to bring us back to that place of recalling that. The last thing that the prophet spoke, he said, the enemy is going to try to run you out of this place. And guess what? He tried, and he tried, and he tried. And I remember going through times where I just wanted to fold my tent up and go, just going through stuff. We do, right? We just feel like, man, and and that word came back to me. That enemy's going to try to run you out of this place. And that's when my determination is like, no, he's not. No, he is not. Things may not be what I think they should be, what I feel, whatever it is. But doggone it, he's not going to win. He's not going to run me out. He's not going to run my family out. He's not going to destroy the church. That's his church. He built the church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail and will not prevail against the church. So I'm here to tell you this morning, we're fighting. We're in a battle. We're fighting for the destiny that God has placed on us individually and corporately. There's an enemy out there that does not want you to succeed. Yeah, just in case you didn't know that. Do you know he has a destiny for every person that is born on this earth? He does. Unfortunately, many don't identify what that is or come to that place of having a relationship with him to really understand that. I was thinking about this because last Sunday afternoon, my chaplain phone goes off just as I'm dozing off on just relaxing in just this perfect place, and my phone goes off, 
And the, the ring on my chaplain phone is very loud and very obnoxious. But it, when it goes, I know that what it means. So I got a call and to go on an unfortunate situation where a woman, a mother of four, overdosed on drugs and she passed away. So I go and we have, of course, you have all the family members, you have people there, and her own mother was there. And I think about when I was thinking through this and just praying and listening, there was a destiny that was stolen by the enemy. And it, it stirs in my heart because that's not God's plan, it's not his heart. You know, we think so much about our own things and we have those things, but my heart always goes out back to that place of those people who didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's challenging and it's hard. I think of the mother who said to me, I can't believe that God did this to me. Understand, God isn't the one that does these things. God doesn't fail us. He never fails us. People fail us. We fail each other. We do. I fail you. But God doesn't fail us. He doesn't. And we have to trust him in that, that he doesn't fail us. There was a destiny for Jerusalem. The wall crumbled. The city, the gates were burned. It was in utter destruction. Nehemiah was a man who was determined. He came to this place of determination to fight for the destiny of Jerusalem. Whatever it took, he was going to fight to see this restored. He wept. He fasted. He prayed for Jerusalem. The wall was torn down. The gates were destroyed. Lord, I pray this morning as we look in your word that we would be encouraged that we have to fight, Lord, for the destiny that you've placed in our lives. Circumstances around us may say differently, may say that it's a lost cause, but God, you have given us purpose. You've given us a, a destiny and a call. Lord, today I, I'm encouraging people to fight, to fight for that, to fight for each other in these areas, God, where the enemy comes to try to destroy. Amen. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open to receive this morning what you have to speak to us in your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. In Nehemiah chapter four, I'm gonna read through really quickly the first 20 verses, and then we're gonna go back and touch on a little bit. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones and from rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. May they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the walls by ourselves. 
Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the walls in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plan and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half the men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and in one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated by each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. It's a great story, incredible story, but you see from the point Nehemiah hit his knees and began to fast and pray that that was just the beginning. And in our thought and our process, how we plan out our life, we see everything working out great all the way through. And that's God's heart for us. It is. There's a destiny. But there's also the enemy that comes to try to bring destruction to that destiny and that plan. And we see that in this story as we read through it. It's no coincidence that the enemy is challenging those of us who have been around the work of the Lord, doing the work of the Lord, and being involved in just being Christians. He comes after us. Do you notice when you begin to walk in the calling of God, you begin to go that the enemy comes out you even that much harder? When you begin to see miracles, you begin to see success. Boy, he ramps it up, doesn't he? He comes at us. Very challenging. Problems intensify in our life. The problems in our family, but it's the enemy trying to destroy us to take us off our foundation, the foundation that we've built our lives upon, Christ Jesus. But the enemy will try to do anything he can to rock us off of our foundation. Do you know that there is a sand ballad in Tobiah? We were talking about these guys who were not good guys, who were negative, and were trying to bring destruction. There is a sand ballad in Tobiah in each of our lives. Do we give in to sand ballot? Do we, do we give in to that? We've been given a destiny, and we have to fight for that destiny. Amen. Our tendency would be to back off for a while. I need to back off. This is too difficult, too much. I need to back off. I need to not pursue some of these things because it's just too challenging and too difficult. I'm confused. You know, when it comes is when we begin to evaluate our situation based on at least one or more of our five senses that we use as human beings. We have senses we use to evaluate things. But that's not how we are to evaluate our life. The enemy wants us to use those because he can get in and manipulate those senses at times. We come up short in our senses in comparison to having faith in the power of the Holy Spirit at work. When we put our trust and faith in him and the Holy Spirit and the power that is there, it's a lot different than relying on our own senses we get messed up when we begin to do that. We must evaluate our destiny based upon the promises and goodness of God and not on our feelings, our own senses. It has to be based on his promises and his goodness. We have to trust him in that. And you know what? If we want to mature in our faith, then our faith has to be tested. And guess when the tests come? 
and things aren't going good. And man, is it a test at times. We all know what that's like. We've experienced that. Do you realize that the enemy is filled with anger and he's filled with fear that we might actually live our lives in the anointing and the power of God? He's sweating all day long. He's fearful. He's angry. He's upset. So many times we think of the enemy as however we think that he thinks. The reality, he's frustrated when we begin to walk in the power of God. He hates it. He doesn't like when you get up in the morning and declare the word of the Lord over your life. He doesn't like that. Let's see what it said here in verse 1 and 2. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build a wall in a single day just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? So they're, they're already coming after you when you declare you have a plan. There's a plan to do something. There's a plan to see your destiny fulfilled. And immediately the enemy comes and said, ah, do you really think you can do that? You really think this can happen? Satan lives in fear, constant fear, that we might actually live our lives, fulfilling the call of God on it, the, under the power and the anointing of God. I, think of the destruction that we could do against the enemy. It would cause his camp to be wiped out if every believer walked in the power and the anointing of God in our daily lives in their, each situation. Verse 3, one of the servants, Tobiah, tried to tell Sanballat that what was causing him to fear wasn't going to be that big of a deal. They really weren't going to be able to come together to build anything significant. It wasn't going to be a big deal. In fact, it'll only take a little fox walking across the wall for it to crumble. Not a big deal. <laughs> What's it say? It says, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. What happens next? Verse 4, prayer is engaged. Now, just we think, well, we prayed. You know, like Nehemiah. Yeah, he prayed. He fasted. He sought the Lord. Well, I prayed about that a few weeks ago, so I'm just leaving that. No, we got to come back to that place of prayer again. There's that returning to that place of seeking God and saying, we mean business. We come back to that place of prayer. God, I'm trusting in you. Prayer is engaged. Verse 4, then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. They're trying to embarrass you, God. In verse 6, if we can overcome the enemy's distractions in our life and, and work together with our fellow believers, our fellow laborers in Christ, we can make it happen. We can do this. We can see things built. We can see destinies fulfilled. Verse 6, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. So they're coming back. They prayed. They sought God. Okay, now they're enthused. They're getting together. They're, they're beginning to see some success. When we begin to see God's plan come together, is it all smooth sailing from there? Uh-oh. Uh <laughs> no. We're thinking, oh, good. It's all coming together now. This is it's smooth sailing from here. Here comes the enemy again. Verse 7 and 8. The enemy becomes very angry, and he wants to create great confusion. In verse 7, but when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. How do we respond to that when they come at us? They went to prayer and sprung into action. The enemy said, we're going to sneak in and kill their project. 
Verse 9, but we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Again, they're going to prayer. They're going to prayer. There's a few words in there that said, talked about the gaps in the wall. I want to tell you just from our, my wife and I, our own personal experience in this. And several years ago, we were going through some challenges faced with and just really seeking God. God, things aren't going well. What do we do, God? Just seeking him. And clear as clear could be, I just felt like the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit. He said, there's gaps in your wall. I'm like, well, what? He goes, yeah, there's gaps in your wall. And I said, okay, Lord, thank you for showing me that, and I'm recognizing that. Now what do I do? So clear. And I was talking to my wife about this. He said, you need to get personal intercessors for you and for the church. I'm like, Lord, there are people praying already for us. He said, no, you're not hearing me. We're talking accountability and praying regularly and meeting with and pointing people to intercede and pray on your behalf and on behalf of the church. said, okay, Lord. You know, that when we did that, and I'm, I'm just telling you just the reality of what it is. When we did that and we prayed, said, Lord, who is that? How is this going to come about? And the Lord showed us this is the team that I'm putting, I want to put together that are going to be closely knit with you that will be personal intercessors for you, for your family, for the church. I tell you, we begin to see things turn around and change. We begin to see the gaps in the walls begin to be filled in because of intercession that was going on behind the scenes that was constant. Now, you can say, well, how do you measure? How I measure is that there was probably a lot of arrows and intended things from the enemy to come at our family, at the church, that were thwarted. We don't know what those are because they didn't get through. But how we do measure it is seeing the hand of God at work. Does that mean that we don't have challenges anymore? The enemy doesn't come at us? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that we have the, the protection of God and knowing that we trust him and that he doesn't fail in our life, even though we look and the circumstances don't look favorable. But we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he is God. And he loves us and he cares for us so much. Over time, all of us, we get weary in well-doing. We do. We just get weary and well-doing, and that's what happened with, with them on the wall. Verse 10, then the people of Judah began to complain. <laughs> Here we go again. The workers are getting tired, and there's so much rubble to be moved, we will never be able to build the walls by ourselves. We do that. We complain to God, don't we? And meanwhile, the enemies are saying, before they know what's happening, we'll swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews lived near the enemy camp and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. It's the enemy that keeps trying to come, and then we begin to buy into it. We can't do this. I'm here to tell you today to fight. Fight. You've got to fight for your destiny. You've got to fight for the destiny of your family. We've got to fight for the destiny of the church that God's placed here in Thurston County to serve this community. There's a fighting that has to take place. Strategy was created then out of this to bring the enemy's plot to nothing. So we begin to see some strategy. So Nehemiah in verse 14. So I placed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Begin to realize, okay, we have to arm ourselves. We have to do things. And so for us spiritually, it's arming ourselves with more prayer, more people standing with us, praying together, reading the word, finding scriptures to put on our wall, on our mirror, and to, to begin to declare the word of the Lord over our situation because we are not going to let the enemy defeat us. That has to be our stance and what we declare because he's constantly trying to do this. Verse 14, then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. 
Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So don't be fearful of the enemy. I'm here to tell you that he's there, he's real. Just like Heather talked about in our worship this morning. I mean, he's real. The enemy has power, but the reality is he has no authority over you and I. We have all authority that's been given to us over him. So we need to stand on that. We need to use that. We need to declare that. The weapons that have been given us, they're not carnal. They're mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. We've been given the sword of the Spirit. We've been given the tools. Are we using them? Are we using them? And you may say, I'm not sure how to use them. Well, that's where we've put us together to work together and say, hey, get with some other brothers and sisters. And we need to declare, again, whatever's going on in your home, you need to begin to declare the destiny that God has put in your home. You need to take authority over that. You might have somebody in your home not serving the Lord, and you may have a child that is a prodigal son waiting to return. Whatever the situation is, but you need to be fighting. We need to be fighting. We don't give up and don't give in to the enemy because we, yeah. we need to be reminded. Remember to fight for your destiny. Yes. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, see, God has a great part to play in this, but he's waiting for us. We all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half the men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail, basically armor. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. It's interesting. So now we begin to figure out how we're fighting. How do we fight? We just don't run out into battle unprepared without any armor, without any weapons. So they're, they're beginning to figure out. Nehemiah is beginning to go, okay, this is what we've got to do. We can't just put tools on them and send them out there to work. That's good. That's the, the labor it takes to do that. But there's also a spiritual side of our life. And so he said, now I'm going to arm you with the spiritual tools that you need, the spiritual weapons that you need. So they begin to work on the wall with their tools, but they also had the sword on the side to fight the battle in case the enemy engaged them. So they're ready to do what it takes. For some of us, we think, well, what do I do? Do I lay down my tool belt and pick up the, the sword? Or do I lay down my sword and pick up the tool belt? No, we work with everything together. We're on the wall and we're working and we're defending. Yeah. We're taking ground. And so if we, don't have our, if we don't have the sword of the spirit with us, we can't take ground. We can try to do some building, but we're living in fear then of what the enemy might come after us. But God's given us boldness to pick up the sword of the spirit and to go after the enemy when he comes after it and defeat him. And tell him he's a liar. And he's going to turn and run. We're not the one that should be fleeing. So many times we're the one that flees. We get fearful of the enemy. And so we pack our tool belt and we go home. We get out of the battle. We get out of the fight because we say it's too much. I can't do this. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to tell you. But I'm here to tell you today that that's not God's plan for you. His plan is to be engaged in the fight. Be engaged. Go after the enemy. Come on, we, we need to go after him. We need to take him out. Don't ever turn your back on the enemy. Because I'm telling you, if you really knew how scared he is of you when you're walking in the power and the anointing of God, it terrifies him. We see him as some big thing that can take us out. The reality is he's the one that's sweating and staggering in his boots. We have to look at it that way. It's him that's the one that's challenged with everything. We're the victor. He wants us to think he's the victor, and he's not. He's been defeated. He was defeated at the cross, and we just need to emphasize that, and you need to walk in it. 
In spite of miracles, signs, and provisions, simple discouragement can come in. Even though we've seen things, discouragement can neutralize the progress of God's people. It can. I mean, discouragement is probably one of Satan's greatest tools. Because if he can get you discouraged, he can get you sidelined. If you're discouraged. So we have to be encouraging each other. We have to accept the encouragement from God. God's telling some of us here today to pick up our sword. Pick up your tool belt. Get back in the fight. Get back in the battle. Don't allow yourself to be defeated any longer. Man, the enemy's lying to you. The enemy tries to tell us that we've taken on too much. And he points to our failures. He points to our weaknesses. He points to all those things and he says, look, who will do anything he can to temporarily get you to put down your weapons, to put down your tools, anything. And it simply could be discouragement alone that can do that. Is it our desire? Is it our desire to see our destiny fulfilled? Is that desire stronger than our willingness to settle for defeat? I hope it is. Because so many people have settled for defeat. But we have to have a desire and a, and a willingness to go after. Go after his purposes. Go after that destiny. Come on today. We've got to, we got to re-engage. Some of us have to start over. Are we going to settle for mediocrity? No. The moment you were born, you've been given a purpose and a destiny. You know, people around us make decisions that affect our lives, and we can blame this and that. And, and I, so many times I've heard people blame God. The reality is that God didn't do that. Somebody else may have made a decision that affected whatever happened in your life. And like I said earlier, we, we let each other down from time to time. But I tell you, God does not let us down. He doesn't. When we said yes to God to be ministers of the gospel, to, bring, to be salt and light, we really did then open the door, in a sense, for the enemy to come after us. That's why I think it's really important to understand when, when we accept Christ as Savior, it's so important that we make him Lord. Because when we don't do that, man, we get wiped out pretty quick. So, so often we kind of lead people down this path of, if you just say yes to Jesus, everything's good in your life. Well, it would be great. Now he's there for us. But the fact is, if we don't make him Lord, and he's not number one, man, we get hit from so many angles and so many things, and, and we get defeated. That's why we see people walk away or fall away from the Lord in their walk because they don't have the solid foundation. And when the winds blow and the storms hit, it rocks us off our foundation. I'll read one more scripture out of Psalm 56. You know, David was a man that went through some stuff. He made some good decisions, made some bad decisions, but he still had a destiny that God called him to be king. And there was nothing that was going to happen to deter that because God had already determined everything for David and his destiny. And David walked through some ups and downs. In Psalm 56, starting in verse 1, it says, Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I will praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? So can we focus on what God has called us to be and who who he's called us and what he's called us to do instead of focusing on our problems today? Because that will derail us. We need to 
be persistent in pursuing God's call on our life personally. We need to do it corporately. As a church, God has given both a promise and provision. He's given both a promise and provision. He's given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And that's what we have to do when we're in worship. We got to release that. We got to go into praise. And we need to tell the enemy to get lost. He's defeated. And that, that spirit of heaviness has got to go. It's got to go. Man, there's some people here this morning. You're living under a spirit of heaviness, a cloud of heaviness on your life. And you can't seem to break through it. You're, you're punching every direction and it just keeps holding you in. It keeps enclosing and it's like it's even closing in on you. But I want to prophesy over you this morning. It's breakthrough time for you. It's time to come on. It's time to get out of that stuff. It's time to declare the word of the Lord over your life. It, it's time to take your destiny that God's called for you and live it. Live it now. It's for you now. It's for you today. On. I, I, I just believe God is speaking to us this morning. You don't come to church today just to hear something fuzzy to tickle your ears this morning. You came because you wanted God to speak to you. You need it. You're desperate for a word from the Lord. And I'm telling you, we're here to stand with every one of us here this morning. We're coming with brokenness. We're coming with hurt. We're coming with pain. We're coming with things that we're like, man, God, I have no idea what to do. But I tell you, we may not have the answers either, but we know one who does, and that's Jesus Christ. And if we can pray and seek his face, and we can see this thing come together, and we can see breakthrough, and begin to see miracles in your life, man, what a testimony. What a way. That's the, the enemy's going to be running out of here. He's, he's, he's sweating right now as I'm speaking. He's trembling. And he's just waiting. Right now what he's doing is, is he's, he's saying, I sure hope they don't respond. I sure hope they don't allow me to, to allow God to do this in their life. Come on, it's your choice. That's why you have to fight for it. God's given you what he wants. Now you got to fight for it. This morning, we're going to sing. And I'm telling you, you got to pray with authority too, by the way. I mean, you've been given all authority. you got to pray with authority. And let me do this for you, and, and I'm going to say this. Uh, without having permission from our prayer pastors who intercede for us. But I'm going to tell you, you need some backup prayer. Come on. Come to Hal and Carol right here. They, they pray all day long. They will not give up. They're tenacious people. And they will pray for you. It works. I'm telling you. You can't do it on your own. Get some other people involved. Yeah, you need to pray, but I tell you what, there's other people can pray too. And, they, and if there's other people that they'll link you to, that's great. But come on, it's, it's time to put the enemy to flight. And it's time to fight for your destiny, the destiny God's given you and your family and for this church. Will you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing this song. But I'm going to ask you, if you, need, if you need to see breakthrough in this area of your life and you, you want your, the destiny of God to be fulfilled, just come right up here in the front. We want to pray for you this morning. We want to see something broken. We're going to have our prayer people here praying for you. And... and Guess what? The enemy is a loser. He's been defeated. And he was already defeated at the cross. Now today you're going to enforce it. You're going to enforce it today. Amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 